Welcome to Rejuvenated Women, Impeccable Health for High-Performing Women. Each week, we feature interviews, information, and inspiration that will motivate you to transform from overwhelmed, overworked, and overweight to vibrant, energetic, and on fire. My name is Dr. Alex Ridley, selfless syndrome expert, women's health coach, and alternative medicine practitioner. I specialize in health for busy and driven women. Listen weekly as I share the tools, perspective, and knowledge you need to lose weight, boost your energy, and fall in love with yourself so that you can serve the world with an even bigger impact. Hello, and welcome back to Rejuvenated Women, Impeccable Health for High-Performing Women. I'm your host, Dr. Alex Ridley, and this is episode... Episode 19. And today I'm really excited to be joined by Suzanne Carpenter, who is an approachable, sincere, fun loving, and passionate leader who loves to see personal improvement and transformation in those she teaches. Through her successful 10 year nutrition career, Suzanne saw a gap in the industry and a trend in society. Americans are more confused and overwhelmed than ever when it comes to actually losing weight and keeping it off. She created a virtual nutrition education company called Carpenter 180, whose mission is to provide affordable and simple programs that can clear up food confusion so that people can win at losing weight. Suzanne is a certified nutritional consultant, the CEO and founder of Carpenter 180, as well as the creator of SOS, Sue's On Your Shoulder, Babysit My Plate, and the Food Peace University, three different virtual bite-sized nutrition courses. They were designed to teach you what you need to know to create sustainable results. So Suzanne, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much. I am just honored and excited to get to be a part and be here with you today. I'm really excited to dig into our conversation today. And you know, before we, we get into, you and I connected and we're like, we need to have this shame and you know, fear and low anxiety, low self-esteem conversation that women have so commonly in the weight loss world and just self body image world. But before we do that, I'd love to just hear a little bit of your story and background and you know, what's brought you to the place that you're at today. Sure, sure. My pleasure. Okay, so I was um, born and raised in Michigan. And I met my husband one month into my freshman year at Michigan State University. And we decided we were going to stay together as long as this thing was fun. And the good news is it was fun. And so we have four kids. Presently, they are 20 and 18. And I have twins that are 13. And it goes boy, girl, boy, girl. And I promise you, they were born about 10 minutes ago in my head. Like, I just can't believe they're so big. <laughs> so... When we graduated from college, we were like the good Midwestern family. You know, I went into teaching first grade and Dave started building the corporate career and we were sold out to his job. You know, like we believed that our significance was the trophies on his desk, the title on his business card, the money he was bringing home. And he always said to me, you know, if I do right by the company, the company will do right by me. And that's important because that was just like a fundamental belief we had. And I got to come home when number two was born and I started raising the kids. And I did it a lot alone because Dave was always on our plane or traveling. And he's like our favorite. So we missed him horribly, but he was providing for us. So then in 2009, as life would have it, it threw us a curveball. And it's almost just like, it's not if you're going to get a curveball, it's when. And so yeah. I ended up in the hospital with a full bowel obstruction. And I was in there for almost a month. My twins turned two when I was um, at that time. And oh, wow. 
I got out of the hospital and the GI said to me, hey, you know what? You're going to need to exercise every day for your abdominal health. And I was like, okay, good. That's great news. And you'll come to understand why in just a minute. But back while I was attached to the IV pole recovering, Dave was forecasting. This is January in Michigan in 2009 when the big three auto industry tank. And he says, you know what? They're not going to need vice presidents in about three years. We have got to go find something else. And I was thinking like the wife at that time, because we had bought our forever house, put on a forever thousand square foot addition. I thought we were put and that we had really great stability with his career. So as it would be, there came down to this choice of, do you want the fancy job that's international travel? Or do you want the little obscure job down in Jackson, Mississippi, where you're going to be home at night? So we take this job and I tell all this to you because that backstory led up to the next set of decisions we made, which got me right here. So we're in Mississippi and that job came with a 40% pay cut. And now we're possibly the nicest people you're ever going to meet, which means we did not want to stress the other one out and discuss that pay cut. This is, by the way, not free marital advice. I don't advocate this for anybody. <laughs> But Dave and I are like, let's just sweep this little scary subject right under the rug. However, at nighttime, he's on his side of the bed thinking, we just cut out savings for four weddings and four colleges and our retirement. And I'm thinking like a girl on my side of the bed, like we just cut out smoking hot dates and trips and <laughs> these kids need shoes and I'm going to have to budget grapes. Okay. So what happens is I go in to work out like I do every single day. And I bump into this little direct sales company and a girlfriend just said, Hey, you'd be great at this if you ever had an interest. And really that, that was a place where I got my entrepreneurial chops. I would say it's where I just started learning how much I liked working for myself. i liked bringing in extra income just to help get us back on track. And what I noticed, I was fitting products and they were kind of looking for like magic diet pills and those don't exist. And we're down in Jackson, Mississippi, and they're trying to get healthy on barbecue and yeast rolls, and that doesn't work. So I had this little sweet spot where I would just work like kind of pro bono, helping them with their weight loss with the kitchen part, because I understood fundamentally that abs were made in the kitchen. Okay. The reason I tell all this to you is because, because I was an entrepreneur, because I was working with people and I saw the need. I was someplace where I was asked a question at a training and they said, Hey, so you know what? You say that you would die for your kids, but would you change for them? And this was what changed everything for me because I did not like that question. That question, that one kept me up at nighttime. I can remember tossing and turning because I had this secret and it was a secret. I promise you, I plan to take to the grave with me. I mean, like I did not even tell Dave, he was traveling, he was working, he didn't notice it, but I was, I had a raging eating disorder. I would starve myself all day long. And then when I couldn't take it anymore, like the lizard brain would take over and I would end up binging like it was my job. And then because I could never throw up, I would go over exercise as a way of purging. And then I would abuse laxatives. And that prescription that my GI gave me back when I was in the hospital was like a get out of jail free card for me. That was a hall pass that I wore like a badge of honor. Like doctor said, I have to go work out now. You know, like I, I abused it horribly. So gotcha. when I was asked that question, I 
started feeling things like, if I don't do something to fix me and find food peace, my girls are destined to do the same thing. My girls are going to talk to themselves the same way I talk to myself when I look in the mirror. And I was beginning to see that I, I couldn't stand the idea that they would talk to themselves with that same bully voice that I did. But I knew that if I didn't get me right, they were destined to do the same thing. And that was what led me to basically get to where we are right now. I got the information I needed. I filled in the gaps. And now I'm on a mission to pay it forward to others because we can get to where we're at the end of dieting, where we understand food, where we find food peace, and we can quiet that underdog, vicious voice that is really attacking too many women, especially every single day. Wow. Uh, so <laughs> we, we went into it like really fast. And I love that you are you know, willing and open to talking about this because I, you know, it's such a I guess a faux pas that it's like, I think, I don't actually know the statistic, maybe you do on how many women struggle with their body image or, you know, their weight or what they, you know, the self-talk that we give ourselves when we, we look in the mirror or whatnot, but I would assume it's very high. And even for me, like, you know, I've looked back on photos when I was living in Atlanta where you are and, you know, I, I ran the Atlanta marathon and I was a size zero and I was like, super fit. And I still had negative body image, even in that time, I can look back and remember that. And so let's really, you know, kind of dig into this conversation around how you, because it's, it's obviously a transformational process that you had to go through to get from where you are, or where you were to where you are today. And so what, you know, what were some of the, the pieces that you really had to work through to cut that, you know, perception of yourself and, and what you were doing and really start to fill in the gaps to get to a healthy place. Right. Well, okay. So like, I would imagine anybody that's going to be listening to this, I certainly don't want to trigger anybody. I want actually mm -hmm. to um, help it to go the other direction because I was on a one-way track to misery and I was giving life a hundred percent of my best effort and I wasn't getting to where I wanted to be. So whatever I talk about with my former habits, they're, they're not, they're not, they're not the way to go they're, they're, But I, the thing is, I didn't know a better way. And, mm -hmm. and th this is like the little space. It's difficult to describe, but it's so important to actually understand. I was at the end of my rope giving everything I had and I was miserable. The idea of coming, oh, giving up the ship, so to speak, and voicing my secret and then getting help, I couldn't imagine that there was more work to do that could improve my situation. That didn't make sense in my brain. And that was potentially what was going to hold me back from going to get the help that I needed. Because I didn't think that there could be more to know. I didn't think that, because I was giving it all what I had. So when that first inkling came up to me that I needed to do something about, about my eating disorder, I... I was so afraid to say it out loud because I didn't want to be a hypocrite. I knew that once I spoke it, I was going to have to be ready to do something about it. That's a tension point right there. Once you say it out loud, it's that ownership of I'm going to have to be willing and change can be really, really scary. So I admitted it to myself. That was actually the first step and one of the harder ones. 
then I had to go through this process of just writing it in a journal and getting it out of my head, but I still hadn't told a person. Then I found some doctors and dietitians because I needed to understand. Like it wasn't that I was doubting it. I just needed to understand so I could apply. And the first time I said out loud of what I was doing to myself, I remember the wave of heat that came over me, the sweating and this feeling like my bones were going to fall out of my body. I was so afraid because this shame was so big in me. It was such a monster to me. I had made it so big that I thought once I said it out loud, I'd be so unlikable and so unlovable and friendships and relationships that I had would fall away. I had made it so big in my brain. And it turns out once I said it out loud, I was met with the opposite. Love and grace and understanding and encouragement. And that was so incredibly pivotal in me beginning the healing journey. So that was one part. The other to answer your question was just flat out information. When you know more, you do better. And what I had to learn was just the basics of biology and protein, fat, and fiber in a meal and what it does for turning off hungry hormones and keeping your metabolism strong and getting your body to work better. That was huge to get a couple of missing pieces because I didn't quite understand. I understand eating healthy and eating clean. I understood the standard American diet, but it wasn't until I really started to see the benefits of a high fiber diet moderate protein, mm -hmm. moderate fat, and not a diet in terms of restriction, but actually diet means pattern of eating for man or mammal. I found a pattern of eating that I could do today that I could do when I was 70. And it made sense to me because it wasn't about restriction. It wasn't about denial or deprivation. It wasn't a fad. It was just food. And I began to find food peace. I didn't have to fear it. The other thing that happened is I finally understood and was taught how exercise is not part of the weight loss equation. A lot of us think that we can exercise, therefore we can eat whatever we want. And that you look yeah. at marathon runners who are still really heavy, that does not work. It is still a calories in, calories out equation, but getting the right foods. So I have this superpower that because of when I taught first grade, once I understand something, I can explain it in a way that a first grader can get it. But I needed to go first. I needed to understand it for myself. And the irony in all this is I never planned to talk about it to somebody else. My plan was I was just going to get me healthy and then role model for my girls and just do my very best to quiet the negativity in my head and make sure it didn't start in theirs. That's all I was going to do with this. But then it became illogical to hold it in after a while. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad that you decided to talk about it because, you know, I've been through a similar experience of, um, and not around food and, and body image, but of just like having that shame and having that thing that you're holding in. And I, you know, I think there's a lot of women out there who might be in that place. And it's so scary to take that first step and just acknowledge, but there's so much freedom that comes inside of that. And it's such a big step in the healing journey. Like I think we tend to downplay, you know, the emotional side of actually healing and the emotional side of, of being able to move forward. And it's not until you're willing to go address that, that darkness and that, you know, that ugly, the shame, the, the guilt, all the things that you feel like you're never going to get to where you're trying to get until you're willing to do that. And so that's really powerful. And I'm glad that you 
share that that side mm-hmm. of the story because mm-hmm. so much of what we see is like oh I did this and I lost all this weight and here you go here's what you do and like it's it's not just that <laughs> like there's mm-hmm. there's so much more that goes into it you know with that explain a little more about I guess like we, we've got some steps but do you have advice for women who are are in the place where they're maybe listening to this and it, it's triggering not like in a negative way but in a you know there's something I really need to address here like do you have you shared some of your process, like just acknowledging getting it to yourself and then journaling and then finally just being willing to share with others. But inside of that or what comes after, what, what advice do you have? Let's say it's, here's what I picture, because this is what happened to me. Getting dressed in the morning and you've just taken the shower and your hair's wet on the, your back and you're putting your lotions on or whatever and you're looking in the mirror and that you're just judging. You're just you're judging yourself and you're looking at what's not good versus what is good. That This is who I'm talking to. And then mm-hmm. you're going in your closet and you're, you're feeling frustrated because very little fits that's in there. And you put the pair of pants on and it's a button and stuff hangs over. Or you see the bra and you're just right away, you're in a position of you're just disempowered. You feel like an underdog. You feel like you're not competing. You, you just... Here's, here's the reason for this. This was fascinating to me. We women are judging ourselves because it's, it's actual, it's a biology. It's a um, hardwire in our brain. When the men, this is back in the caveman days, when the men went out into the field to hunt, the women stayed behind in a pack and they worked together and they cooked the food and they tended the children, but they stayed together. And you needed to stay a part of your pack. You needed to conform. You needed, you're, you couldn't be ostracized or kicked out because you wouldn't survive. It was a survival mechanism. So we women in many ways are looking at ourselves and judging our own self because we want to compete in the pack that we do life with. And it has much more to do with just our ancient hardwiring as to why we're doing that. So there's, there's the obvious statements of, gosh, you know, we've got to love ourselves because this is the only body we've got. But the reality of it is, especially if you're thinking I have weight to lose and two out of three Americans do, one out of three is obese, two out of three are overweight. When you're looking at yourself and you're thinking, I've got to lose this weight, I want to lose the weight, whatever, I always say that every 10 pounds we carry is a layer of pain. So Mm. here's a practical step, the practical thing that I can tell you. Once you realize I need to do something about this weight, I need to do something to move forward. We actually need to look at the feeling spectrum. And if you picture your left hand and and pretend like you were to put your left hand on a hot stove, you couldn't keep it there. You'd have to take it off because it's too hot to withstand that pain. That's the farthest side of pain. And then your right hand, you you picture that's the joy or the happy spectrum. That would be like, you know, endorphins from a marathon run or um, orgasm or something that's incredibly good that you can't sustain either. Okay, so it's one side on the left, other on the right. So when you're feeling pain, we are wired as humans to want to leave the pain. And a lot of things can make you feel better, although temporary, like let's say, um, and they're not socially acceptable, speeding, stealing, drugs, alcohol, overconsumption, 
gambling, things that, you know, like society might judge. Okay. So, Mm -hmm. but those are things that can make you feel better and move closer to that feeling good side of this feeling spectrum. All right. Problem is in the, especially in the United States, we were shown that it's okay to eat food because it will release the endorphins and to eat excess amounts of foods because it will release endorphins. But what I want people to realize, and this is where when I work with clients, this is huge for them. You have this pain that you want to move away from. Boredom, anxiety, fear, shame. Uh, Somebody was hard at work, relationship is going bad, stress at the job, whatever. You have this problem way over here by your left hand. So you're going to use food to move away from it. So it's almost like, you know, when you go into a bakery and you put a dome, they have those, those dome glass covers over cookies. I kind of picture when you start to overeat food to make that problem go away, it's like you put the glass dome over the problem. So you're eating the Ben and Jerry's or the chips or the pretzels or whatever, but there comes a point where the spoon scrapes the bottom of the container, the pretzel bag is gone. And now, the dome is going to come off of your problem and your problem is still there. And now we have the feeling of regret or shame because you just overate, which is putting you back into the weight feeling again. So what we have to do is go, all right, there are practical steps for and to get the groceries in the house and the ways to fill your plate. But we've got to actually be thinking about the emotional reasons of why you're turning to food for comfort, because in yes. there is where the healing is. And, and sometimes it takes a little while to find enough trust with somebody who can help you on that journey. But I, I just see that once we can crack that part, why we're turning to the food for covering up the pain, if we can understand that the pain will still be there when the food's gone, we might be able to reverse that emotional eating. And that's where we really start to see long-term solutions. Absolutely. I agree with you on so many levels about what we're talking about right now. <laughs> and, you know, with, um, with kind of starting to impact this, this conversation, how, where do you suggest we start with like limiting self-talk, you know, trying to like transform through that process? Okay. So we're going to, have self-talk until we can begin to self-validate and we can begin to raise our own self-confidence. And a lot of times that comes from action. The trouble is when we're feeling defeated and down, it is very hard to get started, but it's all the more important to get started because you're never guaranteed a time of life the next year where it's just going to be easy and convenient. So what I find is emotions follow action. So if we can, all right, just accept that we need to do something and that you don't want to do a fad and accept that I'm looking for a pattern of eating that I can do now and have weight loss and weight management. And it's a pattern of eating that I can do when I'm 70 or 80 and just get started. Because what'll happen is we start pulling in the good groceries. We start fueling your body. We start balancing blood sugar. We start calming cravings, start sleeping better, start having better energy. Tummy starts to get a little bit flatter. All of a sudden biology starting to work and you're starting to notice your clothes are feeling a little bit better. That morning talk is going to start noticing good things. And you're going to start seeing non-scale victories of I feel better my stomach is looking better. And we begin to settle into quieting that mean voice 
And then all of a sudden you have a nice voice beginning to reemerge, but it's honestly, it's kind of like a slippery slope in the beginning. You have to do the work first, but the, the thought patterns begin to follow after you've done the work. I mean, man is meant to work. We're meant to work hard, even in terms of weight loss. There are incredible, when you start fueling your body, there's an incredible endorphin rush or sense of well-being that will wash over you to calm those quiet, angry, mean thoughts. Absolutely. And, you know, I think you're so right. Like the first step is we just have to be willing to start and to start doing the work and to recognize that like we've got to do this and it's not going to come from anywhere except ourselves because it's such a prevalent, you know, thought process in our society. I think that health somehow comes from something outside of us. It's a pill or it's a surgery or it's, you know, we don't often want to go through the, the hard work of actually mm-hmm. transforming something, mm-hmm. of, of having to do the work ourselves. And, you know, I love that you're in that conversation where it's, it's about you have to put the work in in order to get the result. And it's not fancy. It's just so no. stinking boring and predictable. And I think that's part of what people rub up against. But what I, when I'm working with people and I'm talking with them, I'm like, look, you've been successful in what other areas of your life? And then they rattle off a million places where they've been successful. I'm like, all right, guess what? We're going to explain this thing in a way that you're going to take that success from over there. Like, let's say the A on your test, and you're going to put it into weight loss. Because you can be successful here because success leaves clues. If you're successful over there, we can be here. The other thing is, I, it's like calling the world out on this, calling people out on it. We are disciplined and we use compromise all over the place in our lives, all the time. Just think about a relationship, discipline and compromise, getting up for work, discipline and compromise. You have to do the same thing with food. It super stinks, but nobody can eat a whole carton of Ben and Jerry's every single day and chase it with Chick-fil-A and not gain weight. It just, that's a unicorn. It doesn't exist. So we have to understand we're going to use discipline and compromise with weight loss and weight management as well. It's just part of being an adult. It's just part of how the thing works. And it seems to help once, once that uh, awakening happens, like, oh, okay, you're right. I can do that great. (laughs) Yeah. And I would even argue, you know, at some point it stops being discipline and compromise because as you start to feel better and start to realize that your body's doing so much better, not eating the junk, you don't want the junk anymore. And, you know, it like I crave vegetables and, you know, like fruit and good things and not the sugar and the, the crud. It's not like that never happens, but it's much lessened from wherever you're starting at, I would say. You know, and then understand food and you understand putting protein, fat, and fiber, say, on your plate and your blood sugar is balanced. Okay. When that happens and you understand how your body burns fat for fuel, because that's what I teach Mm -hmm. is basically you are so empowered that let's just say your husband or your spouse was having the pizza. You might decide you want it. You might decide you don't want it, but because you no longer have this feeling of, I have to be perfect and I can never ever have it again. The foods that people before thought were good or bad, they realize food is neither good nor bad. It's just a choice of how do I want my food to serve me? Some days you might want some pizza. Other days you absolutely don't. But getting away from that restrictive mindset really creates Mm -hmm. this abundant mindset where you just 
quit with the food shaming. And you, you really are after a while seeking to just feel better because you realize how amazing that is. So many people don't know what it feels like to feel good because their body is nourished. Ah, that's so true. And when they finally get there, it's like this awesome awakening. I, <laughs> I yeah, see. You don't, yeah. you don't want to give it up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's like, this is so much better. Why would I ever go back to that? <laughs> so, um, Awesome. But I would say it's until you've achieved it, you can't understand it until you've achieved it. And it, exactly. takes, it takes ridiculous trust and it takes starting. And that can feel really, really, really hard. It can. And, you know, and I would argue a lot of what I do and I know you do as well is having a mentor, a guide, like a process to help you through it and the support system is key to this because you can try every fad diet there is you can do what your best friend's doing you can you know put yourself through the horrific juice cleanse I have a whole thing about juice cleanses but (laughs) 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 but but without some guidance like you will fail unfortunately unless you're you know someone who's who's going to go out and and do all the research and you know take all the time that you and I have taken of years of, you know, my own journey has been like 17 years at this point, And I know you've been on one for a long time of just learning and putting all the pieces together, like utilize the resources that you have at your fingertips, whether it's what you do, what I do, you know, what, just, just finding that cohesiveness and having the support is really important. Right. I mean, like, you remember when you had to study for board exams or final exam in college and how you would have those mountains of books and yeah. you're thinking to yourself, I don't even know how much of the stuff I've got to remember and what's going to be on the test. It just felt so much. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. And I'm then still after- doing that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Same. That's why this analogy kills in the state. But like anybody's like, yeah, I remember even in high school, that feeling of, I don't even know what I need to study. It's just so much. And then the minute the test is over, you forget all of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I feel like that's what nutrition is like to everybody, except for people like you and me who are nerds, who love this stuff. Okay, so it makes sense to me to take the really high level pieces that we need to know and deliver it in a way that you can understand so that the masses are not getting that I'm taking a test and forgetting everything experience when it comes to their health and nutrition. Rather, I'm trying to piece it out in a way that true learning happens so that they understand they're educated, then they're empowered to go make decisions and relabels and choose foods off of menus, and then inspired to go do it and to share and teach their families and their communities. Because it's not so hard. We just didn't get, we weren't explained the right way, the basics of food and why and how the body works. It's not so hard, but it can yeah. feel so overwhelming with all the information out there. Yeah. And there's a lot of really good information out there. And there's also a lot of bad information out there. And, you know, that's one of the things I talk about that's just perpetuated where we're at. And even talking about, you know, what what we're dealing with right now with a worldwide pandemic, you know, so much of that is part of why it's so scary is because our health, especially in North America, is just not great. And it's, it's not necessarily our fault, but it's the result of years of, you know, TV commercials that play on our emotions and, you know, Mm -hmm. bad nutritional information and just, just junk. So, Mm -hmm. um, and that's the thing you look at and people may know this, may not know this, but excess weight basically leads to 
the biggest health crises that we have with heart yeah. disease and high blood pressure and diabetes and inflammation in the body, these all lace back to carrying extra weight. And if we can realize it's not about vanity or gene size, it is about emotional peace. But um, if we can realize, if we can reverse the weight, the health improves. You're coming off of medications. The healing happens when you take the weight off. Yes, in a huge way. And, you know, based on what we've been talking about, you have to do it in a way that addresses that emotional component to it. Because without that, you're going to lose oh. weight and then put it all back on. So. For sure. I mean, because yeah. really, I mean, when, when you understand that it, no matter how you do this thing, it's going to be calories in, calories out. You have to take in fewer calories than you spend exercising or moving your body. That's how you lose weight. That's the period, end of the day. Anybody can go online and get a food plan and get a program. It's sticking to it that is the problem. And the reason we don't stick to it is what you just said, back to the emotions. Yeah. And inside of that calorie conversation, because this is something I talk about a lot, so I want to get your, your perspective on this. But you know, I have found in my work with women, like there's part of our food misunderstanding and conversation that's really negative is that uh, females in particular, we undereat yes. to an insane extent. And so yes. when we're talking calories, it's not necessarily that you need to eat even less than you already are. Like you probably aren't eating enough, especially if you've been struggling with weight loss. And so you have to feed your body what it needs mm-hmm. and, and then move. <laughs> um, right. And so I find a lot of, you know, clients I've worked with are people who really struggle with that. It's like they're consuming less than 1200 calories a day. And I'm like, you can't survive on that. Your body goes to stress mode and it will actually store fat rather than burn it because it thinks it's starving. That's exactly right. It, it thinks yeah. that we're in a famine. It doesn't read the news reports or see your pantry to know that we're not in a famine. It's truly thinking I have to yeah. make this body survive. So I'm going to hang on to all the belly fat if you're not going to feed me. But it, it doesn't feel like it makes sense to eat more calories before you understand. Yeah, exactly. So for those listening to us talk about all this, because I could talk about this all day. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You you know, where can women go to learn more about you? And I know you have uh, some opportunity just with what we're dealing with right now, because this huge underlying, you know, now is we're dealing with a worldwide pandemic. There's never been a better time to get healthy, lose the weight, and you have the time right now. So where can women go to learn more about you? That's right. Guess what? So for your listeners, I have seven free days that they can go capture right now. Um, It's called Sue's on Your Shoulder or SOS. So this is what happens. I basically took nutrition and I broke it down into two and three minute little sound bites. And every day you get an SOS delivered to your phone on a text. You just push the link and listen. And it's teaching the fundamentals of protein, fat, and fiber, when to eat, why, how come. But I tease it out in my goofy little quirky way so you want to listen to them every day. (laughs) It's just you can start out with seven free days and get kind of the high-level great starting points that I start all my clients with. Backfills with some resources on grocery lists and snack ideas. Just do that. So that's my website is carpenter180.com and it's C A R P E N T E R spell O N E eight zero. So you have to spell out the word one and then the number 80 carpenter 180. And then Facebook and Instagram are the same carpenter 180. And if you follow me on Instagram, I love the stories 
and because every day I'll, I'll usually show one way of eating, you know, 180 eating style that I'm doing that day, whether it's a snack or an easy dinner for the family or breakfast, just kind of like I needed a role model and I'm a role model for my girls. And I figure I'll just show up on social media and hopefully inspire showing this is easy. It tastes really good and the benefits to it. So that's how people can follow along. Awesome. And I'll put links to that in the show notes. And, you know, as we're wrapping up any parting words of advice, thoughts that you want to share? Yes. Um, you're worth it is what I want your listeners to yes. know. I, I can't stand the idea that on the day somebody dies, that they never got to the end of this struggle because they can win at weight loss. They can get this behind them and live a beautiful life where they can decide if they want birthday cake without shame or feeling like they're always on a diet. I hate the idea that when somebody packs, that they pack what fits, not what they want to wear, or that, especially women, that you put off getting pictures made, family pictures made, because you don't like how you look and feel about yourself, and you just keep thinking until Sunday. I don't want you to miss. You're worth it. You're worth it right now. Today is a very good day to start. It's always a good day to start. You're going to just do it bad perfect. You're going to fail, but you have to just keep showing up because you can win at this. You can get the weight off. You can find food peace. I didn't I mean, because I did, I know that you can, but the, the biggest part of it is you just need to start. Just yeah. start. Just start. I love it. Well, Suzanne, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story and bringing this conversation to Rejuvenated Women. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for tuning in to Rejuvenated Women, impeccable health for high-performing women, where we provide you with the tools, information, and inspiration you need to transform from overwhelmed, overworked, and overweight to vibrant, energetic, and on fire. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to iTunes to subscribe and leave us a review. Each month, I'll select one lucky reviewer to receive a special impeccable health sample kit from me. Also, I don't want to be working with you on your health only once or twice a week. I want to be in this conversation and in the trenches with you every single day. I invite you to join me in my private Facebook group for high-performing women who are ready to transform their health and lives called the Tribe of Rejuvenated Women. There you'll have access to free trainings, a community of like-minded women from around the world, and even more information, inspiration, and motivation to transform your health and become vibrant, energetic, and on fire. Until next time, remember to keep putting yourself first so that you can better serve the ones you love and the things you are passionate about.